in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be looking at Ephesians um, chapter 4 and verse 17. something that's really dear to my own heart really. Um, I guess it's probably, if you could say, what we're looking at this morning is probably um, the, there's some truths that have impacted me profoundly in terms of how to actually walk free in the freedom that Christ has provided. And I want to talk really about how God causes us to experience deep freedom through the transformation of our thinking, which is in these verses. It's not that thinking makes something true. We think it because it is true. And truth is truth. I remember being on an Alpha course once, and this lady said, if I don't believe there's a heaven and a God then there isn't. Uh, Actually, whether you believe it or not doesn't change the reality of it being real. (laughs) It just makes you feel more comforted in your position of not believing it. Things are true whether we feel them or not. I remember hearing Terry Virgo saying he was on a plane once and he was on a plane to Spain and they said to him, everybody set your watches forward one hour because in Spain... It's one o'clock. Change your watch from midday to one o'clock. Now he can argue all he wants and says, no, 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 on my watch it says it's midday. Well, no, in Spain it's one (laughs) o'clock. It's one o'clock whether you feel it or don't feel it. It's one o'clock whether you're wanting to stand in that position and say, no, Greenwich Mean Time is midday. It's it's not one o'clock. No, it's truth is truth. Like someone said, it's always sunny when you're above the clouds. You know, we don't, on a cloudy day, go, where's the sun? It's disappeared. Now as you go above the clouds, it's there. Yeah. It's just you're not seeing it today, which <laughs> in the UK is quite a regular occurrence, isn't it? Lucky we live by faith that there is this ball of fire, because we don't always see it. So, how we think affects everything. Yeah. If, if you believe you're a rejected person, you will see rejection absolutely everywhere you look. If that's your mindset and the way you see the world, you'll you'll see rejection everywhere. If you believe truth, that actually as a Christian you're a royal son or daughter, you're an ambassador of the king, you will walk in a different way to someone who believes they're rejected. If you believe that you're just a dirty, rotten worm that God's just so happened to forgive, you'll walk with your head low, just waiting for uh, him to smite you. Do you remember that in uh, Bruce Almighty? (laughs) Smite me, mighty smiter. (laughs) Watch that film, it doesn't make much sense if you haven't seen it. (laughs) Maybe these things are, maybe these things are just for me and God. (laughs) But if you believe that you're just a worm, you'll walk like... If you know that you're, you, you're righteous and you are forgiven, 
and you're holy and you've got a new nature, it changes the way yeah. you think. Amen. Wow. So in verse 17 of chapter 4, Paul says this, and I love this. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do, or you must no longer live as the crowd does. Alright, that's another way of saying it. You must no longer live according to the crowd do. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every form of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by simple deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, or as the, uh, I think it's the ESV says, to be made new in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So truth is truth. But you enter the experiential reality of truth through agreement with truth. It's like God so loves you and his love is always on towards you and it's always flowing towards you. And he says, I've chosen you from my end of the deal. I love you. And I want to love you every single day. I want to do you good every day, every single day. And I want you to experience my love every single day. And I want you to enjoy intimacy and connection with me every single day. But you have a choice. Do you want to position yourself to enjoy that love? Or do you want to position yourself to think you've got to earn that love? Or do you want to position yourself to uh, legalism? Or do you want to position yourself to indulge in everything to kind of satisfy your heart instead of coming into that love? But that love is real whether, whether we acknowledge it or not. And the moment we acknowledge it and say it is true and we line up with truth, we begin to experience the reality of that truth. Now our experience doesn't make that true, it was always true. It's just in an agreement with truth we begin to experience it. So Paul says you're no longer to think like you used to think. You're You're no longer to think as you used to think when you used to follow the crowd. And we, we all have different stories of how we came to Jesus, but all of us, to some degree or other, were following the crowd. We were living the way the crowd lived, and we thought the way the crowd lived about God, and about ourselves, and about one another, and our circumstances. And he uses this word, futile. He's saying, I don't want you any longer to think about your life, to think about God, to think about others and to think about your circumstances with futility, ineffective, fruitless thinking. I want you to change the way you think about all those things because you've now got a brand new life. He's saying that the way you used to think didn't take you anywhere, it didn't get you anywhere. And he uses this language, he says, look, the futility of their thinking, they're darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. However, that's not the way of life you've now learned. So he's saying all of this life is coming out of a way of thinking 
about themselves and about God and about others and about circumstances. It's all coming out of darkened understanding. And Paul is saying to the believer, and he's saying this to Christians, he's saying, I don't want you to think like you used to think. I want you to change the way you think about all these things. Let me say that being born again is a radical work of God, of God's initiative, of God's saving grace, of God, the Holy Spirit, revealing Jesus. But there are lots of believers who perpetually stay immature and never grow up because they never ever change their mind about anything. And, and sometimes they get absolutely stuck and they say, well, this Jesus thing doesn't change anything. I'm just as worried, I'm just as anxious, I'm just as fearful, I'm just as much a victim as I always used to. I'm still struggling with the same things I always have struggled with. And I think it's because they haven't renewed the mind. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. Come into agreement with God. And sometimes people spend their whole lives stuck in immaturity and ineffective and futile in their beliefs and actually stuck in a whole load of stuff. Because actually in their thinking, they've come to Christ and God's done a radical work of saving grace. But actually there isn't a daily ongoing repentance and a willingness to agree with God. And so sometimes people can go through situations where it's really dire and difficult and it might be um, a history of maybe a, a, a father who hasn't loved them or hasn't been protective or hasn't done certain things or a mother or a teacher or a friend or something that got said and they're still trapped in a moment of that word that was said and the only real way of freedom they've got to hear a, you've got to hear a superior word you've got to come and hear what God says about you and what God says about your past and what God says about your potential you have to hear a word from God and, and, and sometimes we can go round and round the houses of something that got said to us that caused us pain but actually what there needs to come is a repentance and saying that's not who I am anymore yes. and so Paul says I insist on it in the Lord I insist on it in the Lord that you're no longer to live with the futility and ignorant and darkened thinking so when we get saved, we move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But sometimes we're walking through the kingdom of light with a blindfold on. And we're saying, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I go. I can't see God. I can't see any hope. I can't see any peace. I've got no joy. And actually God will come and just say, kindly, take your blindfold off. You're in the kingdom of light, but you're walking around with a blindfold. And he comes to us graciously and says, when is that stinking thinking going how long are we going to talk about that moment, that incident how long is that going to be the defining thing over your life when are you going to come to the word of God Jesus and hear a word from God yes. when are you going to come and open the Bible not as a habitual trying to please you God, but I'm coming for bread I'm coming for sustenance I've got to hear a word from you God so Paul says, I insist on it. I insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live, or you must no longer think like the crowd thinks. Don't, or in the message translation, it says about Romans 6, don't let the world that knows nothing about living tell you how to live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
You know, if you're not a believer here, that there's Jesus has there's life and it's in its abundance in coming to the Saviour. The reason the world's in such a mess is there's a whole world of broken, hungry, starving people longing for the heart to be filled with a revelation of the love of God and the revelation of the Father and the kindness of God. That's what all the mess is about. (laughs) It's an orphan planet filled with orphans who are in absolute fear of life and fear of death and fear of what do people think of me and how do I look and am I going to I'm going to die one day and everything's meaningless and the crazy thing of everything being built to the Friday night at the end of the month we're just going to get wasted and blasted and, 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 and well, that's going to solve everything until so they wake up in the morning with regret and disappointment and pain that they've used to try and solve their soul and there's a wonderful father who says come home come home come home runs to meet people or goes outside the party to bring the older brothers in in Luke 15. So there has to come a moment for all of us where we say, actually, I'm not wearing the blindfold anymore, and I'm not going to believe the lie that I'm competent to to run my own life. I'm not saying we become passive in the sense we ask God what colour to paint the doors. I think he, he... you know, we become ridiculous, and I'm not competent. But we're not we're not able to we're not able to heal our own souls. We need a word from the Father. We're not able to run our own lives. It's an illusion. Every I'm going to say, and biblically, I think this is going to be backed up. Every single piece out there in the world is an illusion and a counterfeit of true joy and peace that's found in God. And I think the Bible says. All things are given for us to enjoy, but Paul says, I won't be a slave to any of them. Okay, they're all mine, but actually I'm not going to find the deep peace, the deep joy, the deep hope, the deep rest outside of what does God say about me, about others, about himself and about my circumstances. And there has to be this moment in our lives where we say, I'm drawing the line. I'm no longer defined by that anymore. And... uh, and I, and I could tell you my own stories of, of, of things that were said that were defining my life. Moments where, where words get spoken by, in moments that people probably regret that actually become stabbing wounds in our soul. And there comes a moment where you have to say to yourself, how long is that lie going to be the thing that defines me and my expectations in God? And there has to come a moment of repentance where we say, that's not the define of me anymore. I'm going to be defined by something else. And so, Paul says, put on the new self. And one of the keys in Christianity is to understand that something has happened to you already. You're not waiting for something to happen. You, you, the, we, we're, we're, we have a new self in Christ that the old has gone, the new has come I've just summarised it in the end of the worship the old has gone, the new has come I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me the life I live, I live, live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I, I've, I've died something has happened 2,000 years ago I'm not waiting for a spiritual experience to enter into a new life. I have a new life. What I need to recognise is I need to put up the futility of my thinking to realise it's already true. I'm already an overcomer. I'm already dead to sin. Something has already happened. So there needs to be this putting off of the old thinking 
the old garment and not putting it on anymore. And I think that's what these verses are talking about. Something's happened in Christ. Something glorious has happened in Christ already. And we're not waiting for something glorious to happen. It happens at the moment of conversion when we really find out that something actually really happened 2,000 years on the cross. And so we come into courageous agreement with God. The old has gone. The new has come. I've received the gift of a new self. So the whole of my future now is exploring and enjoying the implications of new creation reality. That's going to be the whole of my life now. I'm in a new land. I'm in a new kingdom. Now my life is, is, is exactly what we heard at the end of the worship. It's not, can I get through this week without sinning? Is actually, I'm looking to explore the righteousness that's mine already as a gift of faith. I'm a new created cre- creature. We're a peculiar people. We've been born again of the Spirit. We're a, a new race on planet Earth, those who are in Christ. And the whole of life now is not tell me the rules, tell me what I can do and what I can't do. I just need to know I want to please you, God. I want to be connected to you. And nothing can separate me anyway from the future, the past, whatever. I'm just going to explore now who I really am in Jesus Christ. And so this is what separates the glorious gospel of Jesus from every single philosophical thing out there. Because everything out there is about can you climb up? Can you climb up through meditation? Can you climb up through aestheticism and and harsh treatment of the body? Can you climb up through just chucking off every single constraint to somehow find the higher self, the free you? Christ comes to us and lifts us into the heavenly realms immediately as a gift. That's where I dwell. That's where you dwell. So when you wake up in the morning, it doesn't really matter whether you had a good day the day before or you prayed or didn't pray. The reality is you're in Christ, in place in heaven's places. The question is, are you going to enjoy it? That's That's really the question. It's already yours. It's flowing to you. But the question is, actually, if I don't remind myself of its reality, I'm not going to live in its good. And so I'm not renewing the mind to make something happen. I'm renewing the mind to realise something has happened. <laughs> I metamorphosize, I'm transformed from glory to glory as I see him and realise, actually, something glorious has already happened to me. So we have to ponder and think from God's perspective. And it comes to this decision, I refuse to think in accordance with the old way of thinking. And this is where repentance comes in. And this is where the work of the Holy Spirit comes. And so I'm not going to spend the rest of my life digging deep into my own soul to find the issues. I'm going to look at Jesus and in relationship, he's going to point out where the stinking thinking is existing. And in the place of worship and intimacy, I'm going to get the Holy Spirit to rub off his nature so those things get overcome with the superior reality of the word of God. Now, you might say, this is easy for you, Jeremy, apart from I'm probably somebody who had spent 25 years believing that my whole security in Christ was was completely dependent on my own ability to identify the issues and things I needed to deal with. And I realised that for a long time, my walk with Jesus was trying to find what needed sorting, rather than actually, I'm already sorting, actually, what needs enjoying. And it left me very open to what the Bible says, the accuser of the brethren. 
Now he accuses, the Bible says, his name is Satan, and he accuses through, um, through just trying to remind us of our past, <coughs> trying to remind us of what we've fallen short of. He, he, he reminds us of our own standards that we may have not kept ourselves, and then he stabs us, which is what his name means, Satan, stabber. And the only way to freedom from accusation is to believe, actually, I'm already completely accepted in the Beloved, and I'm going from glory to glory as I behold him. Yes. And that my responsibility is to be loved and shepherded, as we've heard, by a good God, who even when he sees us in the uh, intensive care, is doing something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And for me, the big repentance was, when you nailed it all down, was, God, I don't really trust you. Um, I don't really trust that you're good, and I don't really trust that you've got my good at hand, and if I don't protect myself, I jolly well can't trust that you will. And so I built a whole world of, I'm going to look after me. Now that's wrong, because the revelation of God is that he's a good, good father, and he loves, so loved the world, and he took the initiative when I was dead. <laughs> you know, when I was dead in my sins, when I couldn't do anything for myself, when I wasn't just struggling in an ocean, drowning. I was a corpse in an ocean who needed resurrection. I couldn't do anything for myself, and you couldn't do anything for yourself. And he says this phrase, be made new in the attitudes of your mind, in 23, or be made new in the spirit of your mind. And it's interesting that, and this is where I think this is the hope for us, because if you're a warrior or you're an anxious person, or you're a fearful person, or if you're an angry person, or if you're feeling like you're a victim, or you're a passive person, or you give into rage, or into bitterness, and into malice, or negativity, how many of those things do you have to put on every morning? Do you, you know, it's not like you wake up in the morning and you say, I'm really, really joyful today, but actually my true self is negative, so must be negative. Or I'm really, in, you know, I love, I love people, and I, I'm, I'm really happy with the world, but oh, I must remember that I'm going to be bitter and rage and have malice and negativity today. I must remember those things. Or we wake up in the night, and just, we, we wake up with joy, and we think, oh, I just must remember that angry thing, that unresolved issue that I'm going to churn around in my head, I'm going to meditate on that. Well, they're effortless, aren't they? Yeah. They're effortless. The things that we struggle with, we don't have to put them on. They're just there. Yes. Listen, in Christ, yes. the, the, the freedom of hope and joy and peace can be as effortless as the negative traits. Yes. Seriously. I, the reason we react in certain ways is we've got strongholds in our thinking. We have always felt rejected. We see rejection everywhere. If the stronghold gets torn down and you realise, I'm accepted. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm a new creature in Christ. I've got purpose and things that he wants me to do. The new stronghold, the new way of thinking, the new lens shapes you completely by acceptance. So that when rejection comes, you can't even see it anymore. Because you're not programmed any longer to look for rejection, because you know you're accepted. 
You walk into the room and you know that you're the hope bringer in the office. You're the joy bringer. You're connected to God. You're, a, you're loved. You're a prince. You're a princess. You're royalty. You're an ambassador of reconciliation. You carry the kingdom wherever you go. You're light. And you walk in with that attitude. And then when people snub you, you think, I don't even see it. <laughs> because your brain isn't programmed anymore. All I can see is I'm accepted. And you can become so full of hope that you can't think negatively anymore. Because it comes against this wall of the God of all hope is filling me with hope and it's overflowing by the power of the Spirit. You're waking up with hope and you're waking up with a song in your heart because hope is filling your soul. And it becomes just who you are. It becomes your new identity. You're just lining up with the truth of what God says about you and what the Bible says about you and what the Word says about you. And you're coming to Jesus and you're hearing his superior word and you're believing it. And you're coming again at it and coming again at it and coming again at it. And you're getting more and more persuaded and more and more fully convinced. It's the journey that many saints go through. Like you see Abraham. Remember him? He got promised to be the father of the multitude. And his name was Abram. His name meant exalted father. And him and Sarah couldn't have a child. And God changed his name to Abraham before the promise had manifest. So everywhere Abraham went, he got called a new name. Father of the multitude. Father of the multitude. Come over here, father of the multitude. We're having dinner now. Come over here, father of the multitude. We're going to get the sheep in. The father of the multitude is called. Everywhere he went, he was confronted with his new identity. Father of the multitude. Until, in hope, against all hope, Abraham believed. Even though his body was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was dead. Because he considered God able to do what he had promised. And see, he got called a new name. We need to call each other new names. We need to call each other by our prophetic destinies. You're a fire starter. You're a kingdom radical. You're a hope bringer. We need to know each other and call each other out by the names that we really are. Until the spirit of our mind and the attitude of our mind and our subconscious is so adjusted and so reprogrammed by God's reason and God's reality and God's assessment, that's the only way we can think. And that's the only way we can see things. We have to come to God and say, what did you say? What did you say? What did you say about me? What did you say about the church? Oh, you said that we would be like buckets of, the, of, of presence that go out to the community, that percolate out. And, and that, God, you said that we're going to see lots of people saved and added. And you said this and you said that. And then we need to say, but I don't see it at the moment. But I'm going to agree with you, God. I'm going to agree that when we went out yesterday, something happened. When we went out treasure hunting, when you go to work, wherever you go, God's doing something. God's doing more than you can ask for and doing more than you can think and doing more than you can imagine. I'm choosing to agree with God and not choosing to agree with what I necessarily see. The renewed mind grasps the permission God has already granted to be fully alive. You see, I'm not waiting for a spiritual experience to come fully alive. Now, I love spiritual experiences, and there's been key moments in my life where God has broken in with power, and, and, and I've come in to understand what was already true. 
And so we can embrace the permission that God gives to be fully alive. You in Christ are fully alive already. Radical transformation happens through agreeing with God, getting God's perspective, so that we have a new and natural response. And probably as we've been speaking, there's thoughts that have come into your head. Things that you've remembered. Things that still define you. Something a friend at school maybe said, or a teacher said, or a mum or dad, or a husband or wife said. Things that have bruised, lives that have stabbed. And today can be a day where you say, I'm no longer going to allow that to be the thing that defines my view of myself and my view of my future in God. I'm going to draw a line and say, that's over. And maybe you can look at your own life and say, I haven't done all that I wanted to do at this stage. I don't see everything that God promised that I wanted to see. And today can be a day where you say, but God, I choose to trust you today and choose to believe that you are working in my life and that you are preparing and you are equipping me and you are getting me ready. And even though I don't see everything I want to see, I'm choosing to agree with you, God. It might be today that you decide and say, I'm no longer going to live in the futility of my thinking, in my darkened understanding. I'm no longer going to give myself to things. I'm going to put off that old self. I'm not going to live with that as being my identity anymore. I've got a new self and I'm going to live in line with the new self and the new identity that God has given me. Can I ask us to stand? Just going to pray for us and... The Bible says that it's faith that pleases God. And there can be moments of faith right now where you just decide, I'm agreeing with you, God. And eventually I know my feelings are going to line up with my faith, but right now my feelings are not there. But by faith I choose to agree with you. By faith I choose to say I'm not a rejected person anymore. By faith I choose to say that worry and anxiety and fear will no longer define who I am. The only power that fear has is that fear tells us a story. And it tells us a story about our futures. And it tells us a story that makes us afraid. If we choose to agree that actually we have a loving father who always cares for us and is always protecting us, fear loses its capacity to tell us a story that makes us afraid. It's moments of faith and agreement with God. So Father, we choose today to say, God, we insist on it to ourselves in the Lord. I'm no longer living in my darkened, ignorant thinking. And I'm taking the blindfolds off and I'm walking in the truth of the light that is already mine. And we thank you for the new self that's been created new in Christ Jesus. And we say, God, our commission upon our lives is to explore the new self, to explore the reality that we're already sons and daughters, that have already been made whole and holy. So we pray for that in your name, Lord Jesus, for a real exploration of the new land with the new king. We thank you that our new language is righteousness. 
I thank you for the friend, the Holy Spirit who comes alongside us. Thank you, God, we're not pressing into something we've been pressed upon. (laughs) That we're not trying to reach up, God, we're already placed in the heavenly realms. And that, Jesus, you've already come down and opened the heavens for us. Thank you, God, that it's an illusion when we feel like the heavens are brass and our prayers bounce off the ceiling. It may feel like that. The truth is, actually, our prayers are touching the Father and he's always speaking. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name.